This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. First reading is from Genesis, the 18th chapter. The Lord said, how great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. If not, I will know. So the men turned from there, and they went towards Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom, Fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again, he spoke to him, suppose 40 are found there. The Lord answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. The Lord answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose 10 are found there. And the Lord answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second reading is from Colossians, the second chapter. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have come to fullness in him. Who is the head of every ruler and authority? In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food or drink or of observing festivals, new moons or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and do not hold fast to the head, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grow with a growth that is from God. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 11th chapter. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Don't bother me. The door's already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. This past week, I was at a, uh, for lack of a better description, a choral camp, a week built around the uh, singing of choral music and the preparing of a concert. And there's something about 
choral music, about singing together that always makes me feel closer to the kingdom of God. I think it's as close as we can get to hearing the songs of angels. But eventually the week comes to an end and one returns to life as we know it. And one is once again thrust into all of the complications, all of the disappointments, the tragedies, all of the joys, the surprises that make up day-to-day living. Sometimes we encounter wonderful surprises, a visit from someone we haven't seen in a long time, an unexpected professional opportunity, an unexpected relationship where we receive more than we could ever have hoped. Sometimes we find unexpected tragedy, heartbreak. Death is always part and parcel of our existence, but most of the time we manage to move through our days without focusing on it too much, without thinking about it, Age tends to cure us of that as death slowly becomes a more constant companion. But at least with age, there is a certain sense of, if not rightness, at least shared fate. We know that death is part of our existence part of our timeline. But when death comes to the young, when death comes to those whose lives are so intertwined with those around them who would seem to have every expectation of a full, meaningful life ahead of them, somehow it hits harder. And we are often thrown back on our heels and filled with a sense of anger at the unfairness, at the vulnerability. And we go to God with that anger and we lift up our prayers and then again we are confronted with that paradox that has haunted humankind seemingly forever. If we believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-merciful, then if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, does God not care? If God is all-knowing and all-merciful, can God do nothing about it? If God is all-powerful and all-merciful, does God not know it's going on? All of which seems unsatisfactory. 
and we are trapped in this, this paradox. And to add insult to injury, when our prayers don't seem to be answered, we are likely to turn in on ourselves. Why? Did I not pray right? Did I not pray hard enough? Did I not pray with enough eloquence? Did I not pull enough people in to pray with me? What is the number I need to attain? How many prayer warriors must I line up before God listens? And then as if seemingly to add insult to injury, we hear words in Scripture like we hear today that says, ask and it will be given. Why not here? Why not now? In our first reading today, we hear one of the most poignant examples of unanswered prayer in Scripture. These three strangers have come to Abram, and he has extended hospitality to them under the oaks of Mamre. And somewhere along the line, he becomes aware of just who these three strangers are. That this is God. And he becomes aware of God's intent that God is going down to Sodom and Gomorrah to judge what is happening there. And if prayer is talking with God, Abram begins to pray, talking with these strangers and showing a remarkable eloquence and skill in his prayer. God, surely you would not destroy 50 righteous along with the unrighteous? This is not the God that I know. Surely it is beneath you to bring about such an injustice. And God grants him that. What if 50 righteous are found there? All right. I won't destroy it if 50 are found there. Well, now Abram has him. Now Abram has him because now it's just a numbers game. He starts small like it's no big thing. Well, what if just five are lacking? Surely five don't make that much difference such that you would act against your nature. All right, if five are lacking... Well, if, if five don't really matter, then surely another five wouldn't matter. Fine. If 40 are found, I won't destroy it. Well, now that he has established the principle, he starts hacking away in chunks. Well, what if 30 are found? What if 20 are found? 
And through it all, God refuses or neglects or however you want to describe it to make the one move that would have stopped Abram in his tracks, which was to treat people differently. Fine, I'll just destroy all but the 50. I'll just destroy all but the 40. Instead, God holds the fate of all of them together in one and allows himself to be talked down and down and down. But even as this is happening, we hear and feel the anxiety rising in Abram, who increasingly becomes aware of just who it is he is talking to and just what it is that he is asking As he goes on making one suggestion after another, we feel him becoming more and more hesitant. Lord, what if just ten righteous are found? Let me speak just the once more. And the tragedy in the story is that he stops at ten. He stops at 10. When in the end, only four were found. Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. Abram fails to receive his request, his his intent to save these cities. Because somewhere along the line, he seems to lose confidence in the God that he is praying to. He seems to lose confidence in God's willingness. And I almost hate to use this phrase, to grant his prayer. I I hate to use that phrase because so, so often it seems like when we pray, it is as if we are standing on the 50 yard line of a football field. And we can ask for blessing or curse, we can ask for good or ill, as if we are somehow on neutral ground and it could go either way. But the fact is, we live in a fundamentally broken world. The book of Genesis shows us how after the very moment of creation, things instantly fall apart and and trial and jealousy and Anger, death, murder, all these things are introduced into existence. And this is the world in which we live. Let's face it, most of us don't tend to pray, Lord, 
you've given me so many blessings. Can you back off just a little bit? We tend to come to God when we are suffering, when we feel that brokenness. Lord, can you help me? Lord, can you heal her? Lord, can you bring your kingdom? Lord, your kingdom come. We keep acting as if prayer is a magic act. As if prayer is cause and effect. And if I can just get my prayer right, if I can pray with enough conviction, if I can muster every ounce of faith I have in God, that I will bring it to be. But we know We know it doesn't work that way. We know that when someone is sick, when someone is suffering, when someone is dying, everyone around them is praying with full hearts, praying with every ounce of energy they have, and yet people continue to suffer, people continue to die. So what good is prayer then? I'd like to be able to say I'm about to give you the answer to prayer so that now you'll get what you ask for. But in the end, I think it simply comes down to prayer is, in, is the same drive in us that when we are suffering makes us seek out those around us. Makes us reach out for companionship, for comfort. Prayer is the same thing that even if we don't understand, it somehow brings us comfort when we know that there are people out there praying for us. That sense of connectedness, that sense of shared empathy and love. Prayer is the coming into the presence of the God whom we cannot understand, but we can know. Know in the sense that we know when we are loved. And we know that God has promised to bring creation round. God has promised that God's kingdom will come. And that we will come to that day when there are no more tears, when there is no more grieving, when we gather together around that joyous feast and with mouths full spitting out bits of cracker, cracker, laugh at how wonderful God's creation is and the life that we share. We don't know how we will get there. 
and we don't know what the journey holds between here and there. But when we are suffering, when we don't know, we simply lift ourselves and each other up to God and trust in that love. Trust in that mercy. Trust in that grace. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen.